Hi everyone, I'm Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today we'll continue our dialogue, and I'm reminding you, dialogue, not a monologue, a dialogue about happiness. That is, I'm having a conversation with you on this very serious subject, happiness. And I welcome you chipping in. You can call anytime and express your opinion, share your story, or ask a question. My number here is 888-874-4888. We started this conversation, I believe, four weeks ago and detoured on other subjects or just stretched small aspect of what we were discussing. So I hope we can come to the final stages, final ideas about happiness and walk away today from this show, all be uh, happy and live happily ever after. Uh, uh, I wish it would be possible and maybe, maybe it's not, wouldn't be so good. We need contrast to appreciate happiness to appreciate good things, we need the contrast, otherwise we would never know what it is that we're experiencing. Just like for to, to know the light, you need to be aware of darkness, to know what warmth and heat is, we need to know what cold is, and so on. And by the way, uh, if you want to send me an email uh, after the show, you're welcome to do it. Uh, my email is drpeterresnik at gmail.com, D-R-P-E-T-E-R-R-E-Z-N-I-K at gmail.com. And I th- want to thank those of you who did send your emails, and some of you ask interesting questions, and I kind of make a blog, I write down all the questions you ask, and I will address them one after the other in the sequence they come. Uh, before we go into happiness, little show and tell. Yesterday, Gary Nall interviewed me. I think the results of the interview will be on the progressive commentary hour that he has every Tuesday, I believe, at seven o'clock. Either this uh, today or I, no, I don't think so. Maybe next week. So the interview was about a stress and anger that people experience these days, as more and more data appearing in in mainstream media now of what they call side effects, or really there is no such thing as side effects, but effects of vaccination. In fact, again, uh, very often people talk about medication and that medication having side effects as if medication has its own intelligence and it decides, oh, I will treat, for example, chemotherapy. I will attack the tumor, but on the side, I will attack all other organs. No, chemotherapy or any pill, any medication has an effect on the whole body. It may also affect at the same time uh, a tumor, if if that's what uh, chemotherapy is taken for, but it's also affecting all other organs. We have to be aware of it. So, oh, let me see. 
I think I, I received Gwen from New York is online. Oh, wonderful. I just started. So I will take Gwen's um, call and then we'll continue. Gwen, welcome. You're on the air. Hi, Dr. Resnick. Nice. Happy day off. <laughs> I went to work today and, and uh, it turned out it was my day off. So I was glad to come home. Um, I wanted to tell you that I listened to your show last week, not when it was on, but, you know, um, afterwards because I was working. But yeah. it really resonated with me, the conversation that you had with E, because I heard you, I heard E say, but it's not supposed to be that way. And then I heard you say, but that is the way it is. And so I, I got from the conversation, you can either accept it and 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 try to see things half half full instead of half empty, or you can just not accept it and not be so happy. So <clears throat> I was glad to hear this because I, uh, you know, the holidays are very hard, and uh, I'm having a lot of my own family problems. And uh, I decided it just is what it is. And uh, maybe there's a reason why God's keeping me where I am, because there is uh there is some freedom in not having to care for my elderly parents. And there's a, there's um, just other things to be happy about. Maybe other things to focus on other things that me personally, I haven't looked at uh, as much because I was so focused on something else. And um, anyway, I've been through the whole week with this, you know, kind of feeling of, of this acceptance. You know, it's like, it's like this acceptance of your car has a bunch of dents in it. And you can drive it or be happy, or you can, you know, fret about it and, and, and say, look how ugly my car is. So there's a saying uh, uh, in, uh, that, that I go to uh, a group of women, uh, the saying that we have, if you compare, you'll despair. And I really believe that's true. And so I think it's really important in life to try not to compare yourself to others, uh, just to, to try to look at what you, where you are and what you have. Because there's always going to be somebody who's better, and there's always going to be somebody who has more than you do. But, you know, really, I feel pretty good about my, my life and where I am. I feel, um, I feel fulfilled I, with my, the material stuff I have makes me happy, and I'm happy that I'm working, even though it's hurting my knees. But I'm, and I'm happy that I'm, like, fantastic at my job, and everybody, everybody gives me lots of compliments. It makes me feel very good. So, anyway, but a lot of my attitude this week was different. Um, because of the conversation you had last week on your radio show. It very much resonated with me. Glenn, thank you so much for calling. And are you sure you're not psychic? I will tell you why. Because you just said, you know, I started talking about Gary Knoll interviewing me, and I was about to say, to make a point of what I suggested can, must be done for people not to be stressed and not to lower the immune system by being stressed now about what, what they're discovering. And I had something in my mind and you suddenly called and it's exactly what I wanted to say. The way you don't get stressed, let's say you, you did get vaccinated and now you're learning, I got screwed. Now you got screwed one time by being sold a certain story or being forced to take it by people, some people who wish you well, some people who believe that it's good, and some probably who are criminals who knew from the beginning that it can be harmful and it's not tested uh, product. 
But the most important is that you would not screw yourself the second time already on your own. How? By feeling anger and resentment. You will say, what do you mean? You just forgive and forget? No. People who are criminals must go to jail. We need to find out the truth. What I'm saying is you are not to judge yourself for whatever decision you made. Why not? Because life is what it is, like Gwen said, and people are the way they are. And we make our decisions based on the information we have at the moment. So if you did get vaccinated, that's the best you could do then. You probably were exposed to certain information, watched certain radio station, uh, TV stations, or listened to certain radio, or whatever they have now, podcasts. Maybe it's now time to examine who you were listening to. It's a learning experience. Who you were listening to, and and make decisions of what you will follow, who you will follow, what you will accept, what you don't ex- won't accept in the future. But you may say, say, but how can you maybe not be angry at those people? Because even those people who are criminals, who know what they're doing, and who said that there are no criminals in the world, they are criminals. They are who they are. I'm not, again, I'm not absolving them from responsibility. I'm saying you have to know the world is filled with, filled with people who are good people and who are not so good. That's the reality of life, and it's important to accept. And you say, yeah, this is the situation I'm in. What is the best thing that I can do to get to a better place? If, if you can contribute to getting these people uh, to stand trial, for example, if you're a lawyer, yes, chip in and, and make an effort. If you are not, just be aware that, yes, unfair things happen. Unfair things happen all the time. People are in in their nature. In fact, it's written in in the second portion of the Bible that we read, the second week, uh, the story of Noah, where actually it's written, and God decided he will not flood the earth and destroy the earth any longer on the a bit on, on, uh, for the reason of people, and it's written, for the man is evil in his heart from his youth. Which means God understands that we have this evil inclination, and God decides not to destroy us anymore, but give us lessons. So human beings, that's very important to, to accept for people. Human beings are fallible, but also some are evil. And that will be forever. We'll not have a, never have on this planet utopia where everybody is nice, everybody is sweet. It's impossible. You have to make decisions how you're going to live your life, be the best you can be, and trust people who are trustworthy. And that's your responsibility to find out who is trustworthy. And so if somebody wants to kill you. Yes, there are people who are murderers. There are people who are robbers. You need to find a way to protect yourself. And if you didn't protect yourself, well, you did the best you could. 
You have to think about what will you do now. What Gwen is teaching us now, but thank you, Gwen, for calling, is that thank you. Yeah, is life perfect? No. Her, her legs hurt. This is not. This is missing. There are problems in the family. But you choose what you focus on, and that's your that's your journey. That's our transition to the talk about happiness. It's what you focus your attention on. It's what you choose to breathe life into. Misery, uh, blame, or focusing on what you have and enjoying what you have and making decisions of where you will go from that moment. Thank you very much, Gwen, for calling. Thank you, Dr. Resnick. You are very welcome. I'm so happy that you call. I know I know. I expect you to call each time I start the show. <laughs> Just one more thing I wanted to tell you, Dr. Resnick. One of the things that has made me very happy this week, but really exhausted me, is I've been making these Christmas cookies. And I really love to make Christmas cookies. They're so pretty. And they're so delicious, and I'm getting ready to send them out. And I, I just love to create around this time of year. And I, I sat on the bus this morning with a woman who was really negative. She kept telling me about all the murders and the purse snatches. And I just said, you know what? There's 9 million people that live in this city. And for 9 million people, we're doing pretty good. We're bigger than some countries. So I'll leave you with that, and I wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy Hanukkah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gwen. <laughs> Well, Gwen, in fact, again, you you said something that I was thinking of saying a little later, and that is about expressing your creativity. You see what Gwen chooses? She's choosing to express her creativity and then share with other people. By the way, it's a little bit further on, along on my list of what you can do to make yourself feel happy, but one of this of the things is on my uh, being being creative, finding a way to be creative. We are all capable to be creative. Even people I've seen people who say, "Oh, I have no talents," and I begin to push them. I begin to ask them questions about what they've done in the past, what were successful at what they, they tried to succeed at and, and didn't succeed and give up very quickly. And what I've never seen one person who, who we could not find something special about, who didn't have a special gift. So our job is to find that special gift that we can offer humanity. And if you don't have that, if you didn't find it, then the goal is to find that gift. That's already something to occupy yourself. So you will never be bored. Now, let's go back to our talk on happiness, unless somebody else wants to call and contribute. Um, I mentioned uh, when we started talking about attitudes that help you to get closer to what we call happiness. And I mentioned Viktor Frankl's book, Men's Search for Meaning, that without having meaning, a person cannot be ha happy. There must be awareness of meaningfulness of their life. Uh, and I'm not talking about anything special. I remember, I remember working with a guy who was using cocaine, and he, uh, he was driving an ice cream truck during the summer. 
And I asked him, what, what makes you happy? What, what would you be able to accomplish if you were not using cocaine? He said, well, you know, I spend so much money on cocaine and so much time when I'm, I don't feel like working. If I could, if I could stop using cocaine, I would save money and buy uh, an apartment in Florida. And I said, so what is happiness for you? He said, having this extra apartment, having a nice meal with my wife, and having my ice cream truck running without problems, or having money that if, I, if it breaks down, I can fix it. And I said, God bless you. This is wonderful. Notice, look, would these things make me happy? No, that would be not enough. But he is not me and I am not him. For him, I was so happy. All that that he mentioned was achievable. And he's a not complicated man. He doesn't need to read books. He doesn't need to start, travel to different countries. He wanted an apartment in Florida and he wanted his truck to, to run and he loves his wife and he's happy to come to his wife who made a nice meal. And in fact, I can tell you proudly that I, I'm talk, this, he, he just came to my mind, but it happened maybe 15, 20 years ago. Uh, and he stopped, he stopped with me um, using cocaine. And uh, after a few more sessions, I used hypnosis I, I, for, for drug addiction and for quitting smoking. I use hypnosis. So it takes a few sessions and it's really so successful. So, and then I stopped seeing him after, you know, maybe three, four more weeks. And then six months later, I received, I received, uh, uh, maybe nine months later, I received a card from him. I think it was around. Uh, Christmas time, yeah, where he said Merry Christmas, even though he, I, I don't, uh, and he knew that uh, that I celebrate Hanukkah, but many people actually think that yes, but Christmas is a big holiday, which is, I was still pleased to get from him, Merry Christmas card. Uh, and he said, guess what, I put down payment for my, um, for my Florida apartment dream, and we're also saving money for the truck for my son. And then I heard from him, maybe a couple of years later, he skipped one year wishing me Merry Christmas because I believe a couple of years later, maybe even three years later, he wrote to me that he, he got his, he has this wonderful apartment in Florida and his son also has an ice cream truck. So that's a beautiful story. But I'm talking about having meaning in life. That's the meaning of his life. And I'm so happy for him. And I believe that he lives now and he's satisfied. And if meaning for you is building a business or building a house or helping other people or making uh, cookies like Gwen and sharing with friends, God bless you. Whatever makes you feel full. That's fantastic. That's your road to happiness. Um, the second road to happiness is accepting life as is. In fact, Gwen uh, also mentioned that, and I speak about it. That is accepting life 
that which is um, which is stressful, which is challenging, or accept everything that happens as a challenge. In fact, the word stress, by the way, comes from Latin root distringere, uh, which literally means to stretch out. So when things happen that are challenging, they're not necessarily terrible for us. They force us to stretch out, to extend ourselves, to make an effort and to find better ways to resolve issues uh, and to better ourselves. So we can either resent uh, challenges in life and then we become distressed. The word dis literally means against. You know, when there is a word disaster, disaster, disaster is this, it's against, astra is star, against the stars. That's an old word when people, it means when people would go against the stars, against their destiny, against um, what feels right, against what their God would say or whatever. So this is against. So it's not the stress or the need to stretch and to find new ways in life that makes us unhappy. But going against this stress, resistance to natural stresses, natural challenges in life, accepting life as is. And, and now I'm reminded of a, of a story, actually. Uh, and I meant to tell you this. I believe I almost was about to start telling you next week, uh, excuse me, last week, but the time ran out. So I used to have, um, now I'm bold, but I used to have a hairdresser, not because I was willing to pay him uh, so much money, because I would never, you know, 25 years ago, I would not pay $60 or whatever, $75 for a haircut. Um, but some, uh, my, my, the grandfather of my children, my father-in-law, was giving me 12 gift certificates for Hanukkah for every month of the year. So I would go see this guy whose name was Salfadera in Ritz-Carlton on Fifth Avenue and 55th Street, I believe. He had these salons with pictures where he does hair of uh, Bill Clinton, I remember, and some other notorieties. And Salfadera uh, was a world champion of hairdressers. The, believe it or not, there are, there are many thousands of associations of hairdressers, and he was number one. So why am I telling you about him? Uh, at first, I introduced myself, and I received first bunch of um, of these gift certificates, and I believe I was going to him for at least ten years. Still, there was nothing to cut, and I asked Chet to stop giving me the gift certificates. So uh, I introduced myself to Chet and uh, to to Sal. He did my hair. Then next month I came, and each time I would come, I would say, how are you, Sal? And he would say, fantastic. By the way, he still speaks with an Italian, uh, with an Italian accent. Sal Fodera. Fodera means hat in Italian. So, and he would always say, Fantastic. So three, four times, five times, he then, you know, during her, cutting my hair, he 
ask me questions about my life, psychology, my practice. And, you know, after he says to me, fantastic, he would say to me, how are you? And I would actually tell him how I was, which means I would tell him this is good, this is that. Uh, and but this is a problem. This is a challenge. And yet I tell him really how it, it was in, in days that I have, we haven't seen each other. So and finally, maybe after eight or seven visits, I come to him and I say, let me tell you now Sal, how I'm doing, because I'm not going to ask you how you are, because apparently you don't want to tell me the truth. You always say fantastic. And you know, he put down his comb and scissors turned the deceit, you know, it swivels, look me in the eyes and say, Peter, I do not bullshit you. I tell you the truth. I am fantastic. And he paused. And then he said, you want to know the details? Okay. Two weeks ago, there was I invested thousands and thousands of dollars to to renovate this this studio because he had many people working for him uh, and there was a leak from upstairs and we had to redo everything i lost money on it insurance didn't cover this and that that had to be done but life is fantastic i just needed to attend the problem five days ago my son was driving at night i was already sleeping with my wife but he got stuck in the mud and there was no one to pick him up. It was in Long Island, was somewhere 30 minutes away from where we live. And he called in the middle of the night. I got up, I drove to pick him up, to pull his car out. I got the cable. That happened to my son. It needed to be attended. But life is fantastic. Yesterday, I had to rush my wife to the hospital. She had an appendicitis problem. But life is fantastic. And then he started doing my hair. And I was thinking about it all that, that hour. And from that time on, I told this story about Sal for Dara probably hundreds of times. What I understood was how Sal for Dara became the best. They called it um, uh, Muhammad Ali of hairdressing, the greatest. He became the greatest because indeed life is fantastic for him. I understood that he celebrates life and accepts whatever comes. Uh, it's a reality of life. But he doesn't forget to celebrate that life is magical. And that's why he, uh, I haven't you know, seen him now for, I don't know, 20 years probably. <laughs> I hope he is alive now. Uh, and if he's alive, he he's probably celebrating life because it is fantastic. Um, so wherever you are, Salvadera, God bless you and Merry Christmas. Now, uh, that's the story of Salvadera. That is accepting imperfections of life. Life is not perfect. Life is created so we would have uh, a ladder with runs. And every challenge is one of the runs on the ladder of our self-mastery and spiritual growth. Number three I wrote to share with you 
what what will keep you on the road to happiness and i'm saying keep you on the road to happiness rather than make you happy because i think that road to happiness is always under construction uh, you know if it's a very long road yes uh, and if it's let's imagine let's imagine it is a road and imagine it's like a wide road uh, with a lot of cars and it's a long road going from let's say from one side of america to the other from west to east or east to west you know by the time they reach half of the road many many uh, parts of the road that they build all the way in the beginning need some repair too so you need constantly to go back and forth and and see what needs to be repaired it's not an even road and it's meant to be like that it's meant to be life meant to be challenging and it helps us to grow it's very important to remember but in order to grow we need and this is our my third point you need to be present you don't want not to be mentally aware that is you know you don't want to be sluggish half dead uh, sitting uh, in a wheelchair not knowing what's happening to you so how do you stay alert and aware so you would be able to meet the challenges and celebrate life how do you stay physically and mentally uh, capable you know people people say i want to be young i want to stay young and they associate it associate staying young with staying uh, mentally and physically capable but that's very much uh, a western perspective in many cultures particularly more nature oriented cultures getting older doesn't mean becoming frail getting older it means getting fewer it's understood that you will live fewer years that you will die sooner than somebody who is young but in, in cultures like for example the tribe of Tarahumara in Andes they live till uh, 90s and 100s and die in their sleep and they are very active all their life in cultures where people have to take care of themselves have to take care of the family have to be mentally alert to provide for themselves have to be physically capable they live long lives there are many other aspects to this of course but you have the number one you have to be physically capable so i was talking to a student today and he is turning 44 next week and i've been encouraging him for a while to exercise he has a few extra pounds and he told me yeah you know i'm golfing yes and i said no now 44 you cannot afford what you could afford at 30 35 maybe you could kind of not exercise because you were very active and your metabolism was a certain way but now you have to the older you are the more you have to exercise you have to change your regimen you have to invest in your health and investing in your health you have to every day at least for one hour do physical exercise 
not overwhelming yourself, but slowly building up. You build up your strength so you don't get uh, ill physically, don't get frail. A lot of people, you know, they retire by the age of 60, 65, and fall apart. Uh, in fact, somebody told me just about recently about the study that shows that people who run their own business for 30 years, how long do you think they live after they retire? And I thought not long, five to 10 years. But this amazing thing, he told me, uh, the person who told me about the study, two years. What happens? Because people work, 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 and then suddenly stop being active. Suddenly don't, and they don't know what to do with their lives. There is no meaning, and there is no physical activity. So they die. Or they begin to go from a doctor to doctor, because they need something. They need something meaningful. So number one, you have to, once you turn 40, when you, before 40, maybe it was nice to exercise and, you know, you probably wanted to look a certain way and you wanted to play some sports just for fun. But now it's not just for fun. It's an obligation you have to your body. So this is about physical alertness and activity. Now about mental activity. Uh, you know, uh, 1953, when Albert Einstein died uh, in Princeton, his brain was, uh, I, I don't remember <laughs> uh, the name, I used to remember the name of the doctor who saved his brain and kept it in, in a jar. Yeah, I believe in formaldehyde, for chemical uh, preserving um, the brain of Einstein. And for many years, uh, uh, research, I remember that this researcher is a female, I don't remember her name, was trying to get a slice, a little piece of the of Einstein's brains. And the other doctor who kept it, didn't give it to her. Finally, after 15 years, and she every year she wrote to him a letter. And after 15 years, he indeed sent her a sample of Einstein's brain. And so she did the study of the brain. And what she discovered, and you know, we have approximately 80 billion um, uh, neuron cells and 85, 90 billion glial cells. And it used to be, it, people believed, doctors believed that neuron cells are the important cells and glial cells are just environment in which neuron cells operate they don't have much significance. But what, what this researcher discovered was that Albert Einstein had 27% more of glial cells than an average person. So her team decided to do experiments. Uh, because remember, Einstein was a, a brilliant physicist, mathematician, but he was a, also a first class uh, violinist. So the right brain, um, music, art, and the left brain, mathematics. So what they decided is to experiment with, with rats, believe it or not, white rats have pretty similar brain to ours. And, you know, they do a simple experiment, they, they 
take a baseline, which means they put the rats to sleep and drill a little hole in their brain, take a sample and see what's the baseline, how many neuron cells and how many glial cells um, the, the, the guy, little guys have. And I don't remember the sample or how many rats they use. Um, and so they check the baseline and then they, whatever way they cured them or, or woke them up, I don't know if they needed to recover it, period. But they exposed these rats to uh, rat Disney World, Disneyland. They put them for them little uh, challenges to overcome, little tasks to perform to get to the cheese or whatever was the bait. And created really fun environment for this way. It's stimulating, mentally stimulating environment. Not that it was just they had to be involved physically, because they they are involved if uh, you know they move. Uh, but but they would have to solve little problems to get what they wanted. And uh, after a number of weeks, they, again they put them to sleep, took the sample of their brain, and they discovered that in these several weeks, the rats developed on average 15% extra glial cells. So they, again, once um, put um, these rats in a new environment, in the environment where these rats were um, exposed to nothing, just boring life. They would be fed uh, and not given any activity. Not that they lived in their habitual environment, like the, the original baseline, right? But simply were fed as much as they wanted to, to eat and were exposed to no activity at all. Again, in a few weeks, they drilled their brains, checked the amount of glial cells. Not only that these rats lost the 15% that they gained, but they lost even 10 more percent. So now they were 10% under the baseline, under the average rats amount of glial cells. So what they demonstrated, this all this experiment I'm telling you about to make one point, that when you are mentally involved, mentally active, it increases the amount of your glial cells and keeps you alert. When you are not mentally active, your brain stops functioning. You are actually losing glial cells. That's when you lose mental alertness. So uh, my teacher of blessed memory, Colette, at the age of 93, 94, was so present. I remember some, talking about something and, and we would come to a discussion and I would say, what was that? And she would remember faster than I would, not just me, not only me, but many other students. She could remember things that other people couldn't, but she was the oldest person there. And she lived, thank God, till the age of one month away from 95. So a simple, simple statement, you know, they have a saying, uh, what is it? Use it or lose it, yes? That's about mental alertness. So you absolutely, absolutely have to 
give yourself tasks. Give yourself read, read. Don't watch television. That's not a mental task. That's not stimulating for your brain. In fact, it numbs the brain. Um, Gary Mendel uh, wrote in 1976 a book called Four Arguments for Elimination of Television. I would highly recommend it to anyone. This book is way more relevant now than in 1976. And even then he was um, explaining how uh, beyond the physical effects and, and uh, the radiation that comes, the waves that come from television, uh, just the fact that we are staring on objects that are moving without in front of us, without us contributing anything, we are completely passive. So that numbs our ability to participate in the process. Think of how different it is from reading. When you read, you imagine. That's when your right brain is working. Even though you read, you uh, use your left brain because you read the language that you know. Your left brain is associated with the language, um, your native language and all the innate things that you learned in, in the, your first seven years of life in particular, and all the logical uh, exercises that you do with your mind. Uh, but your right brain is associated with creativity. So, so when you read the book, your left brain is active because you read, usually in, in the language that you grew up in. And if you read it in a foreign language, it's even more challenging. Then you utilize right brain. And again, you utilize your right brain, but even if you read in your own language, but you begin to imagine in order for you to comprehend what you are reading, images have to come through your mind. You, you understand that we are thinking through images. Not, not when we are staring at something. That's not living in images. Just, that's just staring. But thinking, it's a creative process. When you think, if you like right now, think about um, getting a car, getting into a car. And if you don't drive a car, see yourself somebody driving you to the park. Okay, and they stop at the park, you come out of the park, uh, of the car, and you see the trees. Look, you just went through a whole creative process. So we stimulated your, even though you listen to English and it's your native language, it's left brain activity, and then you imagined it, and it's right brain activity. We already stimulated your brain. So you want to keep your brain active all the time. That's how you will stay young and alert. Okay. Now, next, oh, good, we're progressing with happiness. Next thing, uh, you have to accept your negative impulses. Because if you judge your negative impulses, it takes away from happiness, because you go back to judging yourself. And we, we spoke about it in, in earlier shows, 
I speak a lot about judgment and what it does to you, how it's devastating it on your mind and in your body. So now, but what do you do with your negative impulses? First, it's a part of you. You have to totally accept that negative impulses are part. Negative impulses are part of every human being. That is why, that's precisely why in Western spiritual tradition, we have 10 commandments. Why do we have 10 commandments? <laughs> because, why? because we have uh, an impulse to murder. So that's why the commandment is not to murder. We have an impulse to steal. That's why the commandment is not to steal. And it's not only to steal someone's property, to steal someone's time by being always late, stealing someone's time by promising them something and making them wait and, and not delivering. So there are many ways to steal. So the, the giver of commandments understood that we have the tendency to covet someone's property. And so the commandment is not to covet the property. And so we have a potential not to honor our parents. That's why we have the commandment to honor, honor our parents. So we have all these tendencies. So since we come into this world with it, it's okay. It's normal. Our job is to work on improving them. Yes, and that's what your, the letter of your self-mastery is about. But not to judge. Accept yourself that these parts are part of you. And in fact, uh, they served you. If you think about uh, how you were growing up, some of your negative impulses probably helped you to survive. They served a good role. They may be now at this age inappropriate, and you are using the old tools in a new environment. You need to examine your impulses. Uh, you have to have what is called the counting of the soul every, every year. Write a list of qualities that you have, positive, acknowledge them, and then write a list of qualities that you feel are not so great, and choose one to work on. And at the end of the year, hopefully you were successful 60-70%, you celebrated and set a new intention, continue working on the, the last one. So the fourth point is not, again, one, I give you one thing to, to do that will get you closer to happiness and one to protect you uh, from taking yourself to misery. So not accepting the dark side of yourself takes you for sure to misery. When you don't accept it or deny it, it comes out in ways you don't even know. And then it, you are shocked and even more resentful of yourself. You are who you are. I'm not saying that you must not wo work or you don't need to work on those qualities. But having them is normal. You came into this world with them. And that's exactly what you need to work on. So you will never be bored when people say, oh, I have nothing to do. Oh, yeah, you have things to do. Number five, I wrote here, be a friend for yourself. Uh, be a friend of yourself and be a friend of others. 
What does it mean? Uh, you know, uh, both, both for, for example, in Christianity and in Judaism, there is a uh, statement, love thy neighbor as thyself. When you're by yourself, who is your neighbor? You. So this is the, and most of the time, you are with you. You wake up, you go to sleep, you are with you. You go to work, you are with you. You're surrounded by people, but before your first company is you. You may be in traffic, you are talking to yourself. You may be in a train, in a plane, in an automobile. You are at work, people are walking around, but your mind is, doesn't stop working. You are in relationship with yourself. Be appreciative of you and your own needs. They are as important as somebody else's needs. So, in fact, there was a great uh, theologian, Rabbi uh, Gilel of the first century, who lived in Alexandria. And he said, if I am not for me, who is for me? If I'm only for me, what am I? If not now, when? What it starts is if I'm not for me, who is for me? So you have to be, remember, when you are for you, when you take care of your needs, what are you sending in the universe? We spoke already many times about it, that the, the yin and yang principle, that which is inside is outside, that which is outside is inside. So the way you are inside, the way you treat yourself, uh, you bring that energy into the, send it in the world, and you bring people who treat you the same way. If you're disrespectful with yourself, people become or are disrespectful with you. You do not satisfy your needs, people do not satisfy their, your needs. So this is number one. Now be a friend to others. Uh, you extend yourself to others. There is no greater joy than to see when you make an effort for somebody and somebody is happy. At least uh, for me and in, in, with my profession uh, in healthcare, I, I, I have to say I'm a very happy and very fortunate person. And I always talk about it with, with friends and students that, you know, if I could choose the number of careers when I came to the United States at the age of 27, and I could have chosen business and investment, and there were many people who came uh, to America at the same time I did, and they became very, very wealthy. I didn't become a wealthy person, uh, but they are super wealthy. But I would not choose to do anything else because I... I love what I do, and it's about helping people to have better quality of life. And I don't know anything more fulfilling. So, but while you extend yourself, you have to also be aware that those who you extend yourself to, you have to permit yourself to receive from them. It's, and, and even if they don't offer once in a while, if you extend yourself to someone, Ask them for something so that you would not make them into parasites. 
That is, people may be nice people and they're not parasites. They want to reciprocate. But you say, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And eventually they get used to it. And they may be givers with other people, but with you they become parasites. It's expected from you. Even people who love you, nice people, but you train them that you don't need anything. You are just about giving. No. You give and you take. You give and you take. That's how you, you grow. Yourself by giving and you allow other people to grow by receiving from them, by allowing them to give. Next a way of step to getting happiness, uh, speak to God. There are books, you know, many books written like by Larry Dorsey, uh, the world book called Healing Words, uh, or The Healing Power of Prayer, also by Larry Dorsey. Uh, the research demonstrates that people who pray uh, are healthier, mentally healthier, physically, develop a relationship with God in the language you can speak, in the way you can develop a relationship. But have this continuous relationship and remember, people, you know, uh, Catholic mystic, Maester Eckhart, who lived in 12th century, said, people use God as a cow for milk and cheese. And even now, 800 years later, still people think of praying means asking God for something. No, praying is also expressing gratitude. Praying also means communicating with God, sharing how you feel, questioning, challenging God. We'll talk about challenging God possibly next, next time when we speak. That's a whole big subject. Uh, but that's one of the things that I believe uh, helps a person to be happier is knowing that they are not never alone. There is always that presence that helps them to grow, that is willing to be there for them. And that at one point, if you learn how to not only speak to God, but listen to God, you will be able to get the messages, sometimes auditorily from the voice speaking inside, and sometimes simply through synchronicities, that is meaningful coincidences uh, that happen to you. So start every day with gratitude. Uh, one more thing, develop um, practice of self-mastery. As I said, you write a list of qualities that you need to work on, choose one and work for three weeks with deliberation. And if you are not clear on how to work, please write me an email. I will tell you, or I will be happy to talk about it on the air. Um, again, I remind you, you're absolutely welcome to, to send me emails and to ask me uh, to talk about any subject you would like me to talk about. Uh, in fact, this conversation about happiness is a result of some of a person writing to me a question. How do we become happier? 
as a person. So, and this is uh, what transpired. It's been the fourth week that we're talking about happiness. So do please write. I'm really looking forward to your feedback and to your questions. We're almost finished with happiness. Just um, a couple of more points I wanted to make, but I want to, to leave them to our next dialogue. Um, I don't know why. It just feels right. We also we're running out of time. It's time for me to say goodbye to you. But also, I could probably speed up and uh, tell them, tell you the last points. But it's better if we finish up the subject uh, next time. For now, thank you again for being with me today. Uh, enjoy your life. I'm looking forward to having your attention next week. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace.